Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters 7 through 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Many of the plagues that fell on Egypt will fall on the world even in the last days. Now, last week, if you were with us, you remember, I told you that the Egyptian people were superstitious and polytheistic. In other words, they, they worship many gods. They were so superstitious, get this, they were so superstitious and polytheistic, they had many, many, many gods, that they, they could take time off of work and school to go worship their God, which I don't know if people don't do that today. I'm going to take vacation. Got to take my boat out. Got to go to my timeshare. But these people were incredibly superstitious and polytheistic. Check this out. Egyptologists tell us that there are or were approximately 80 major gods worshipped by the Egyptians. They worshipped the frog, the bull, the calf, the vulture, the hippopotamus, the scorpion. They worshipped the baboon, the, the, the crocodile. There was a god of agriculture, a god of livestock. They had the god of weather, the god of fertility. They had the god of battle, the god of health. They had a cooking god which should show up at my house. No, just, oh, hey, sweetie. I'm just kidding, you know. And he does. Yes, you did. You made me a wonderful dinner last night, and I love you. (laughs) They had racks of gods, and their gods were angry. And you had to pay them off. You know, their gods were like the mob, man. Their gods were like on the take. I don't know about you, but I am glad that we serve a God that isn't angry and isn't on the take. You don't have to appease our God. He was already satisfied when his son's blood was shed. And we don't have to make our God happy. We don't have to appease our God. We don't have to pay them off, which is what some people do nowadays. They try to buy God off. and We don't have to buy him off. All we need to do is respond to his son. And then walk in response to what Jesus has already done. And that satisfies God. And that makes God happy. So you want to notice now, as we get into the plagues, you want to notice that each one of these judgments God is judging their gods, and the first God to be judged is the waters of the Nile. Plague number one, the waters become blood. 
Now, let me share something with you. The Nile River in Egypt was the life of Egypt. They worshiped the Nile. They had an Egyptian god called Kum, K-H-N-U-M, and he was said to be the guardian of the Nile. There was the god Hapi, H-A-P-I. Sounds like happy, but it's actually pronounced Hapi, H-A-P-I. And he was said to be the spirit of the Nile. The god Osiris was said to have the Nile running through his veins. The Egyptians would sing a song, Hail to thee, O Nile, that issues from the earth and comes to keep Egypt alive. The Nile was considered sacred and the giver of life. And notice God is saying, okay, you worship the Nile that brings life, it will also bring forth death, and it will be turned to blood. God destroying their gods again. Notice in verse 19 through 25, we just read it. All the waters, the streams, the rivers, the ponds, the pools of water become blood. Even the water in the pitchers and the buckets became blood. Now, listen to me close. There are always people we know who seek to discredit the miracles of God. And there are some people who would say that the water turning to blood in Egypt was a red tide. It was a red tide in Egypt that happens once in a while. Listen, God, I don't know what these people are thinking or what are they reading. God is clearly putting away that thought before man even has it by turning the water to blood that's in the bowls and the pitchers. In other words, right at that moment, are you still with me? Right at that moment, if you were pouring a glass of water and the water was struck and turned to blood, that water going into that glass would have turned to blood. God was destroying that mindset. That would be an awfully weird red tide for it to be able to jump from the river into the kitchen and turn the water in the refrigerator to blood. Some people are just stupid. That's just ridiculous. You see, this is a miracle. It's a sign from God. And then you want to notice in verse 22, the magicians, somehow they found water somewhere and they brought it to Pharaoh and they said, don't worry. Look, we got this. It's a trick. They said, watch this. And they did the same thing. And they turned the water to blood, which caused Pharaoh's heart to become harder. Now, the thing that we need to realize, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the thing that we need to realize is that there is real power, saints. Listen, there is real power in the occult. Do not mess with the occult. Some people like to play around with it. And unfortunately, I have heard of Christians who want to play around with Ouija boards and tarot cards. And when they're on vacation, going into the um, you know, the little um, palm reading rooms and, and all of this. And it's like, oh, I'm just going in there because it's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, it's just fun. Ha, ha, ha. Listen, playing with the devil is not fun. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> playing with the devil is not fun. The occult is real. Youth people, don't mess with that. These magicians and these sor sorcerers, they are empowered by 
the devil. They are doing works. They are doing signs and wonders that are being performed not by man, but by the devil. Not by God, but by Satan. By the way, which will happen, talking about the book of Revelation, will also happen in the last days. The Bible says that false Christ will come in the last days doing signs and wonders. These men threw down their rod and it turned to a serpent. They turned water to blood. These men reproduced the miracles that Moses and Aaron did. And because they could do the miracles, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Very interesting. Now listen, it's very interesting observation. The first plague was water into blood. And it speaks of judgment or the law. The first miracle that Jesus did was turn water into wine, which speaks of joy and grace. And you might remember as Moses came down from the mountain. 3,000 people died, speaks of judgment. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, speaks of joy. You see, with Jesus Christ, there's always joy. With Jesus, there's always grace. With the law, it's always legal. It's always harsh. It's always rituals and rules. You see that interesting contrast. Now, interesting little observation. Now, the second plague, we want to look at it in chapter 8. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with what, saints? Frogs. And so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your houses, into your bedrooms, on your beds, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come upon you, and on your people, and on all your servants. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. And so Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Stop right there. Give me your attention. In this second plague, God told Moses, to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and if you don't, frogs are going to come upon the land. Pharaoh hardened his heart, Aaron stretched out his rod over the Nile, and frogs came out and covered the land of Egypt. Now, the frog god, I'm going to give you a lot of info tonight that is probably absolutely useless, but you can write it down if you like. The frog god was named Hect, H-E-K-E-D. The Egyptians believed that Hect was the wife of the creator of the world. The god was a woman with a frog's head. Why would someone who is the creator of the world marry a woman that looks like that? I don't know. So the goddess, Hect, 
had a frog's head and a human body. Now listen, the Egyptians, they have a real problem now because frogs were worshipped much like cows are worshipped in India. I've been to India a couple of two times or three times maybe, and, and, and I'll tell you, I've never ceased to be amazed. There are cows walking down the freeways. There are cows holding up traffic. There are people starving in certain locations in India, and a cow will walk right by them, and they will not eat it. Because they believe in reincarnation. And they believe that maybe the cow is a family member who came back as a cow. So maybe the cow is Uncle Harry, and we can't eat Uncle Harry. Now let me say, if I'm starving and a cow walks by, I see a T-bone. That's what somebody, T-bone lovers say, amen. I see a steak, rump roast, something. I tear that cow up. <laughs> I tear that cow up. I ain't going to starve, but this is what they do. And why? Because the, the cow is worshipped in India. And in Egypt, the frog is worshipped. So what we have is they won't even kill the frogs because they worship them. So we've got millions and millions of frogs in their homes, in their beds. I mean, can you imagine you're getting ready to go to bed, you pull back the sheets and Ribbit. I mean, and lots of them. They open the kitchen cabinets to get some popcorn and frogs come out. Put a meatloaf in the oven. Frogs come out. Frogs are on their bodies. I can hear their wife saying, look, I don't care if they're sacred. If you don't kill them, I'm going to kill you. I mean, they're everywhere. So the magician said, listen, Pharaoh, that's nothing. Watch this. And they brought frogs on the land of Egypt. Now, I have read this story, I don't know, 10, 20 times since a kid. I can never figure out why are these magicians so stupid? I mean, think about this, guys. Why wouldn't they try to reverse the plagues? Are y'all getting that? They are making matters worse. They're saying, oh, there's frogs on the land? I'll tell you what, Pharaoh, watch this. We'll make more frogs. <laughs> the water is bloody? We'll make it bloodier. I mean, what is up with these guys? Why not just make the frogs go away? Idiots. Amazing. Well, look at verse 18. Look at verse 8. Then the frog, look at verse 8, you're there, say amen. amen. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord. This is an interesting verse. Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they might sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only. And so he said, Pharaoh said, tomorrow, he said, well, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frog shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, from your people. They shall remain in the river only. 
And then Moses and Aaron went out from, from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And so the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. And then they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Mo- I know. On three, one, two, three. Ooh. Gross. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, breathing room, that's what the Hebrew word is there, that he could breathe again. Obviously, some time went by. There was relief. He hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, remember, give me your attention. In chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh was saying, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And notice now he is saying, according to verse 8 and 9, he's basically saying, listen, Moses, come on, man. Ask God to cut me some slack. Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I'll let them go worship God. Notice in verse 9 in your Bibles again, Moses says, accept the honor when I shall intercede. In other words, if you're taking notes, you write this in your margin. Moses is saying to him, listen, Pharaoh, you set the time. You set the time. You tell me when you want the frogs to leave, and I'll ask God to do it. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And Moses said, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. And probably Mrs. Pharaoh probably said, why didn't you do it today? (laughs) Amazing. Moses asked the Lord. God heard him. The frogs died. They gathered mountains of frogs in piles. And the land stank. Plague number three, lice. Look at verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, y'all still with me? So the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth. And it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But what saints? They could not. So there was lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is what? The finger of Elohim, God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Plague number three. God told Moses To tell, note this, saints, Aaron. You want to note, this time, God didn't tell Moses to go tell Pharaoh. This time, God tells Moses to tell Aaron to act. In other words, did you note this? God did not give Pharaoh a warning this time. This third plague, blow strike or judgment comes without warning. Now, this third judgment is against the God Gab. 
G-A-B, Gab, who was the God of the earth. And you want to also notice that this miracle is particularly miraculous because God is changing dust into insects. This miracle is different because there's a creative force behind it. Is a creative force or, 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 or uh, uh, behind it. Now, now, the word in Hebrew for lice is the Hebrew word ken, K-E-N, which is a word meaning to dig. Lice is simply gross. Amen? Lice is gross. They prey on you. They multiply on you. They live on you, and they live off you. Very interesting. Also, you want to notice that this plague struck at the heart of Egyptian worship. Because the Egyptian priests were extremely careful and and cleanliness and, and hygienic, with the infestation of lice, it made them unable to worship their gods. With the infestation of lice, the Egyptian gods would not receive the animal sacrifice. So this brought the sacrificial system in Egypt to a screeching halt. God knows what he's doing. Brought it to a screeching halt. Now you also want to notice that the magicians tried to bring forth forth lice, but they couldn't. I'm wondering if Pharaoh said, good. (laughs) You guys are not helping. And Pharaoh's heart grew harder, and he didn't listen to his magicians. In fact, we don't hear from these magicians anymore. Very interesting. Maybe he had them killed at this point because he's, you guys aren't helping. I have no use for you, and they're dead. Very, very possible. Notice it says the magicians. Now, I want you to bring your attention to this again in verse 19. Very important. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is what, saints? The finger of God. I love that. This is the finger of God. Why? Why they say that? Because God turned dust into biological life and they couldn't do it. And they said, this must be God. Now, if you go through your Bibles, listen to this. You study the scriptures we find out that the finger of God is a very interesting Bible study. The finger of God. The first time we see the finger of God, we see it here. Exodus chapter 8. The finger of God is pointing to the Egyptians in judgment. The second time we see the finger of God in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 31, verse 8, in your own time, when God finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai. He gave Moses two tablets of the law, and they were written with what, saints? The finger of God. The commandments were written, and they speak of judgment. You see, the law points a finger at you and says, guilty. 
We also then, you fast forward, you read about the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar, one of my favorite stories. He's partying with the boys. They're all drunk. And all of a sudden, he sees the finger of God writing in the wall. And it says, mine, mine, tekel you farsin. And it means... You've been found, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting, lacking. Thank you, Jesus. We see the finger of God. Again, we see the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5. Now, y'all listen to me close. You see the finger of God in Daniel chapter 5, and it's judging You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.